Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. The Rewind Classic. Hello everyone, I hope you're well. It's the films to be buried with, Rewind Classics. Now, for those of you who have missed the last couple of weeks... I've been taking a few weeks off to concentrate on filming. I hope that's okay. But in the meantime, I'm releasing some of my all-time, all-time, all-time favourite episodes. And this week is the first time Mr. Ramesh Ranganathan came on. We recorded this, I think this was like first two months of lockdown, first month. I can't remember. I think it all comes clear on the podcast. Anyway, if you don't know Ramesh, of course you do. Stop lying about it. He's an award winner. He's on everything, he's in everything, he's consistently brilliant. He's a national treasure. I love him, you love him. This is a really special episode. And if you want all the extra content, the videos, the ad-free, full uncut, extra questions, the secrets from the guests, you can find all that and more over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. That's all over there. I'll be releasing some new episodes very soon. Already recorded some. They're brilliant. You're going to love it. But in the meantime, that's it for now. I very much hope you enjoy this Rewind Classic with Ramesh Ranganathan of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today via a internet connection with a podcaster, an actor, a writer, a presenter, a traveller, a league of their owner, a family man, a stand-up comedian, and frankly, let's call him what he is, a national treasure. Please welcome to the show the brilliant Robert Ragnarvin. Yes, thank you, thank you. A lot of that was was bullshit, but thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for doing this, Robert. Brett, it's an absolute honour to be on your podcast, mate. Um, look, I don't, you know, I, I know you won't say it, but I've been texting you sort of sporadically since you started for doing about this a year pod- now. Yeah, since you started doing this podcast because you don't seem to want me on it. What I found is every every three or four months I get a text from Romesh just going, what the fuck? <laughs> and I know what it means. And, <laughs> and it's usually the day the podcast comes out with someone on it that isn't him. Yeah. And I thought, ah, the guy needs a break. <laughs> so <laughs> Thanks, Thank so I finally, you. you know, so thank you. Listen, thank you for, you know, I guess I need to 
fill some guests. But thank you for doing this, and I appreciate it. It's very exciting. Mm. Now, I ain't seen you in a while no. for many reasons. One, because we're in lockdown. And two, because of all the people I know, I'd say you're the most workaholic. You're in the top three. Okay. And here, if, I've got some things I wanted to ask you about. One is, I think you're phenomenal. I'm a huge, huge fan. Always have been. And what you've done, which is very rare, is somehow you've got to the stage where you're on everything, but it's not annoying. Well, that's I a think real that, gift. <laughs> I think I think you. I don't think everyone shares that opinion, mate. I don't know what's happened. I I don't think you think national treasure means the same thing that I do because national treasure right. to me means somebody who's nationally treasured. That that sort of by its very definition. <laughs> And I'm so far from that. I don't. I don't even think I'm a county treasure. Do you know what I mean? So you, it, <laughs> you're a postcode treasure. In my okay, postcode, yeah, you're right. very oh, big. Great, great. That's good to know. That's good to know. So I, the other thing that you do, which I find personally astonishing, because I think I would very much struggle with it, is you work a lot with your family. And as your shows have grown. You've not just worked with your mum, but your wife and kids and mm. uncles and cousins. I mean, that's extraordinary. How do you cope? Uh, the mum thing sort of happened by accident, just because when we're doing Asia Provocateur, we thought it'd be funny. So that is, I'll be honest with you, that feels uh, amazing, actually, in a way. I mean, I talk about it, I've talked about it on stage, how frustrating I find it, uh, that she's become this breakout star or whatever. And she, she is reliably and consistently funny on everything that we get her in on. And um, yeah. and that is great. But she also, you know, when my, my dad, my dad passed away a few years ago, but when my brother, my mum and I both went through a horrendous, like my mum had a horrendous time bringing us up. And so, and there was a time when anything like this would have felt like it would never, you know, nothing like this we could have ever imagined. So seeing my mum enjoy being on TV and stuff like that, take away the fact that she's put zero effort into the craft of it or anything like that. And that is obviously, as an artist, that is frustrating. But take that all away. And it is a, it is an amazing thing. Uh, Lisa and the kids, Lisa and the kids, mm-hmm. my wife and kids, uh, I would describe that as... Do I slightly regret that? I, I do regret I do have regrets about that, to be honest with you. Lisa hates being on TV. She hates if anybody recognises her. Not that she resents it. It's just she doesn't want any attention at all. She is the opposite of my mum in terms of her attitude towards <laughs> towards this whole thing. So, like, if I if I ever get recognised when I'm with Lisa, she will disappear. Like, she, I look around and she's gone. Like, she just hates anything like that. And I did manage to convince her to be involved in this show I did called Just Another Immigrant. We, we went to LA and I tried to sell out the Greek in three months or whatever. And Sorry, um, loved it. Oh, thanks very much. And you are one of, I would say, maybe 15 people who saw it and loved it. So that's so thank you. You're, you're amongst an elite group. Uh, <laughs> Which was the same amount of people who came to the Greek. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think the only people that watched the show were the people looking out for themselves in the gig at the end of the of the series. <laughs> yeah. But um, Lisa, uh, she agreed to do it because they were integral to the show. That whole thing of uprooting your family and taking them over there. But she didn't enjoy. She didn't. She did not enjoy. It. Yeah. I think she enjoyed the process. She didn't enjoy. If I'd have said to her, "We've made the show." And that's going to get locked away in a vault or something. She would have been, oh, that's great. That was a fun experience. Oh, well, that's you know I mean? interesting. It, yeah. It's the actual, it coming out 
and then people coming up to her and going, oh, I saw you on this thing. She just, yeah, she doesn't enjoy any of that. Being recognised, any of that shit, she hates it. Genuine question you might not answer. Did you ever find yourself when you're shooting scenes with your family, particularly with your wife and children, where you're frustrated, where you're thinking, do that better, say that better, or like... <laughs> no, it doesn't. I guess because a lot of that show is you kind of, you go with what happens. And, and, and Lisa, in a way, as a, if, you, if you looked at them as, as sitcom characters, and this is not, mm-hmm. might not make sense if you haven't watched the show... But like, so my uncle Rags, he is a great sitcom device because yeah. he's so nuts, you buy him suggesting anything. Do you know what I mean? So, so that's really useful <laughs> to have someone like him in the show. And my mum is a very good character in terms of taking me down or undermining me or whatever. So she, she's all, and she's always going to do that. That's in her nature to do that, right? And Lisa yeah. is probably the trickiest you know, putting the kids to one side. Lisa's probably the trickiest to get to work, if you like, in a sitcom way, because she's the most... two, three-dimensional. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that is essentially it, yeah. She's like a normal, regular person, you know? And so, actually, all we needed was for her to be herself, because essentially she's the person that's looking in on all of this, going, this is fucking... This ain't going to work. Like, you're, you're, you're you're being insane or whatever. And so you're just... Whenever we've tried to suggest things to them, it never works as well as just going, let's let this play out and see what happens. The kids were, my, my, our, our second son, well, actually all three of the kids didn't want to be, they, not they didn't want to be on it, they were excited to be on it. They didn't want to take any direction or any kind of suggestions right. about what to do at all. Maybe our eldest son did a little bit, Theo, but the other two just couldn't give a shiny shit. Do you know what I mean? They were just, they're very much... This is my energy. You're going to have to make it work in the edit. That was kind of that was the message we got from them, you know. So um, yeah, it's uh, the, the one thing I find I feel a bit sad about because it's all obviously it's great to involve your. I love to be able to involve the family and they get excited. And when my uncles are involved in it, mm. and they get very excited. And the one person I feel a bit bad about is my brother. My brother, um, who also has started doing stand up comedy now. My brother is a very funny oh, bloke. Really? Yeah, he's a very funny bloke. But he's unusable for the sh- for a lot of this stuff because he's too similar to me. So in terms of like actually casting a show, it doesn't he doesn't work as a. Do you know what I mean? It's, he can't, yeah, he can't. yeah. So we put him in. We put him in uh, Asian provocateur. Put in an episode of Asian provocateur. But I I always said to my brother, if I can try and find something that will work for you and me, I will do. But it's just. It just didn't. I don't know. It's so weird. It's so weird saying to your brother, "Your character ah. doesn't. Your character doesn't work for this." And his character is him as a person. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's fucking. Fuck, that's so fascinating. Your character is too similar to the lead character that we've been writing. So <laughs> exactly. uh, we need someone a bit different. Unfortunately, because we've gone a different way for the brother. Yeah. Unfortunately, because you grew up in exactly the same circumstances as the lead character, you actually turned out to be far too similar in your outlook. <laughs> Do you have members of your family, like cousins, or you must have more people who haven't been on your show? Yeah. I imagine them contacting you, going, "When the fuck am I on it?" Well, they don't. They don't ever say that, but you do get that vibe. Do you know what I mean? And, right. Because uh, it's nice, isn't it? It'd be everybody. I think everybody. Not everybody wants necessarily to have a career in television, but everybody would like to be on television for a bit. I think. Do you know what I mean? That's the impression yeah. I get. And so every now and again, they'll, I'll get an email from them going, oh, where we are is really nice. That's, you know, if you're ever thinking of 
Have you ever thinking of doing a thing where you look at, oh, God, I'll, I'll tell you what, some of the guys we've got living down in this area, whew, yeah, we've got some characters. Have you been to Bromley? Have you been to Bromley? You need to come. Yeah. I'll tell Bring you what, the crew. I'll, I'll tell you where's fucking mad. Orpington. Woo! <laughs> you should come and do a thing there. Bring man. your mum. Uh, one other question, and I yeah, hope this on. is interesting to people, but it's fascinating to me, is uh, your shows, they're all, I guess, scripted reality, if we were to yeah, give yeah. them a genre. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, for your example, the Just Another Immigrant, you had a mission. It was 10 episodes. Yeah. How much of it is you just going, we have to trust? Because it seems to me that there's a lot of trust in, we're just going to find the thing as it goes. Yeah. But how much of that is me being fooled by it? And how much of it is, no, it's all plotted out. And so, Asian Provocateur was more of a traditional travel documentary. You know, there was some, right. you know, we were trying to find funny things to do, but it's more of a traditional travel doc. Whereas um, Justin of Immigrant was very much more what you're talking about, which is a, a, a comedy show, you know, a scripted reality show. But what we did, uh, I guess the easiest way to explain it is like take a scene. So I would know what I'm going to do. And sometimes my uncle might know what he's going to do. But apart from that, nobody really knows what's going on at all. So, so for right. example, I went to get headshots done, uh, like Hollywood headshots or whatever. And the photographer doesn't know that I'm trying to push for funny. The my, right. Lisa is just turning up with me to a, a, head, a photo shoot. We've not said anything to her about how to play it or anything like that. Same with the kids. Right. So they just do what they want to do. The photographer does what she wants to do. And actually, that one, it was very much shot as reality, I guess. You know I mean, if you'd have just sent yeah. me to get some headshots done, it probably would have come out a lot like that. There are other ones... For example, we did one where we, me and me and Rags unveiled a banner behind Mario Lopez on uh, his live TV show. So with that, Mario Lopez didn't know what was going to happen, but his produce, the producers of his show did because we had to get permission to do that. And Rags knew, you know, we knew that we were going to do that. But aside from that, so you have this, I guess the way that we write it is we think this would be a funny thing to do. Let's see how it plays out. Do you know what I mean? And and on that day, it didn't play out. Actually, it didn't play out as well as we would have liked because security, they can't be in full control of all security. So we got kicked off almost immediately, whereas we had ideas about oh, how right. we were going to push it further and things like that. With the, and also, we, 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 there, were, there were discussions about how much to produce it and how much to not produce it. So a couple of the guys working on the show wanted us to manage how many tickets got sold at the Greek because they felt like, it would be much better if something happened towards the end of the series that gave it a boost or suddenly we got like a cool ending. Mm. But me and Ben Green, who uh, directed it, and a, and a couple of the other guys, we were just very adamant, let's just see, let's just play it real and see what happens. Play it for real. And then the last couple of weeks, I didn't, um, I asked them not to tell me how it was selling. And we did this thing where we went to the Mexican border and we started building Trump's wall. As like a stunt to try and get some publicity. And it actually, like, we got shut down. It actually got some publicity because people across the other side of the border saw it and it started to... People thought Trump was actually starting his wall. Because the whole, the whole idea of it was to build the wall to knock it down as, like, a big stunt that actually I'm an immigrant to America and it's sort of a sign of... It was, it was like, just really fucking eggy. Deliberately eggy. And um, <laughs> um, 
I genuinely started to think, oh, fuck, man, I think we've got some publicity of this because I got invited onto TMZ to talk about it and shit like that. And then I started thinking, oh, maybe we sold some tickets. And then that reality was shattered when I walked out on the night. And I think we sold like... 320 or something it seats 6,000 so it was oh man <laughs> I knew I knew I knew it was going to be low I knew it was going to be low yeah. but I didn't know it was going to be <laughs> I didn't know it's going to be that bad <laughs> well says that's all so fascinating to me and I just think it's well look on a personal level I think I I find it interesting because I feel very much more uh, guarded about my family and about partners and and i wonder why that is more like i guess controlled yeah uh, like what are they gonna say what are they gonna do oh god right, 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 right. Uh, and it's interesting to me that you have you're very open with all of that which is lovely i admire it but i also wonder if with all the stuff that you're doing with all the work that you do and all the stuff that involves your family and involves people around you the people you love do you ever get occasionally you just go i just want to fucking sit in a box and be left alone and not have all of these things involved like as in there seems no boundaries in all this. Oh, bits. I see what you mean. Well, I mean the trick. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, it, that might be the way it feels. Uh, what as an like for, to you? Watch it, but it, it, it's yeah. not that my life is not like that. I mean, it, you know, I, I think having Lisa and the kids, Lisa is uh, separated from what I do to the point that she doesn't watch anything I do. You know, she she's got no connection with anything I do right no interest yeah no interest and she's just never been a comedy fan she's not into it she's very supportive but she doesn't give a shit about what I do she'll come to watch like once a tour show is up and running she'll come and watch it but she doesn't she would never yeah she would never choose to sit down and watch a thing that I've done ever in fact in fact the only thing she recently that I can think of that she sat down to watch was I did uh, this travel show to Colombia and she watched it because one of her friends said that I was flirting a lot with the with the co-host. <laughs> and what was her verdict? She you were? No, she didn't give a shit. She just said, I don't know what the, I don't know what she, I don't know why I was told that. It looks fairly <laughs> innocuous to me. I don't know if that, I don't know if, if that's because it did look innocuous to her or she sees the potential of that as so low. The risk uh, <laughs> of that leading to anything is so so minuscule but um yeah um Uh, but 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 the reason i mention all that is because it means that when i'm at home i'm at home and like it's i i'm properly insulated from anything like that you know they don't my kids don't watch anything i do my wife doesn't watch anything i do so it's it's pretty it's pretty good in that regard the only thing i would say is i've had to get better at not thinking about work all the time I'm not a workaholic in terms of if I'm at home, I'm, I, I don't want to see the see Lisa and the kids, but I'm constantly thinking about shit or a new idea or something. Do you know what I mean? And it's so inane and boring to Lisa, you know, I, because I'll sort of, I'll go, I've had this idea for a thing where I do this or um, I remember, I remember like just before this tour, I had this idea for what I was going to call the tour and I had this idea for the image for it. And I told her about it and she said, and this sounds like she's an arsehole, but, she wasn't big. She just goes, why Why would you think I'd want to talk about this now? Like, <laughs> Well, let's talk about this uh, lockdown because I've been in lockdown now for, this is the third week I've been in lockdown. Mm. And um, you were in lockdown with your family, I'm assuming. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm really, as I said to you just before we started, I think this lockdown really highlights how mad, how fucking mad 
We are. I am certainly. Yeah, me too. And and I realise in terms of being a workaholic, the shit that gets me through anything is is making stuff. Mm. And like, I'm amazed how much time I spend. Like, I don't know if you know this. I started making a fake reality TV show called Lone Island. Yeah. F- online, the amount of work I'm putting into this stupid thing where I'm dating a plant, you would be horrified like I'm working it as if I'm making an HBO show like I spent three days on the edit of a two-minute episode (laughs) and like like I'm fucking you know going over and over shots of plants and like madness yeah but I think I think that's good that's good, man. You're a perfectionist. That's great, isn't it? I'm a fucking perfectionist for a thing. But then yesterday I sort of had a moment of clarity because I've been on it all day in the edit. Sorry, guys, I'm in the edit. And then uh, <laughs> just had a moment of clarity like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is this is mad. Like, the what, world's what, ending. We're in a lockdown. What is your... And I'm obsessing. Go on. What is your end goal for that? Are you are you putting that together? And is the is the thing that drives you to spend a day in the edit on that because you think somebody is going to see that and, and you're going to be picked up to do something? Or is it literally, is the goal, I just want this to be fucking great? Is that is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I know it never crossed my mind in, in terms of a bigger what it leads to i think maybe i'm like your your wife in this way i like the process i don't care about the aftermath well i care enough that i want people to like it yeah. i want people to think it's funny that's it i don't want it to turn into a multi you know but the making the thing it's always the coming up with ideas and making stuff is is not the only thing that and the and being in the sea are the only things that make me like oh all right everything's all right yeah 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 i, I mean, but I feel like no but I'm like the same thing man I constantly I was saying to you like I'm constantly writing stuff I'm constantly working on stuff and I don't have I don't have uh, editing in my thing right in my locker I've taught myself I've taught myself this week right okay so so, so, yeah well to give you an idea of how how much of a midlife crisis I'm absolutely running towards I've bought a set of decks and I'm now learning teaching myself to mix oh this makes me so happy (laughs) Please do a live two-hour set online. I will. I have. I honestly, I said to Lisa, I'm going to buy some decks and speakers, and I'm going to learn to DJ. And she went, "Oh, that's a great idea." And then when the stuff arrived, she goes, "What the fuck is this?" And I said, "I told you I was doing this." She goes, "I thought you were joking." Like she, she was. She was being sarcastic, and then all of a sudden, That's there's a knock on the door. So funny! Oh, so I've got this like I've got this fucking setup in my house now, and it's just like that thing where you go, I don't know. It's trying to master stuff. I think is so mm. exhilarating, and I think that's why I find stand up so exciting to do because yeah. I still feel so nowhere near as good as I want to be at it, and so you never feel like you. I don't ever feel like I've cracked it, really, you know, at all. So. So that, that thing that keeps on challenging you, yeah. I don't know, it's really exciting. Well, this is the thing. Stand-up is the only, not the only one, but the stand-up, you're, it, the beauty of it, why it's wonderful, is you'll never, you'll never master it because you're never safe. You no. can always have a bad gig. Chris Rock can have a bad gig. Yeah. Even Chris Rock can have a bad gig. Could be the wrong crowd, could be bad mics, <laughs> new material. Like, you're never safe, and that's why... It's brilliant. However, currently, 
here's my one other question for you, and then we should probably probably talk about films for a bit. Is uh, you know, stand ups currently dead, isn't it? I mean, yes, we're yeah. not allowed crowds anymore. Mm. And I find the idea. I know people are trying it, and I'm supportive of it, and I hope we can find a solution. But the idea of me doing fucking stand up into my laptop in my kitchen whilst 20 screens stare back at me and there's a time delay and I go, eh, lockdown, it's weird lockdown, isn't it? I tell, tell you what lockdown's like. It's like, being, it's like being a house cat, isn't it? And then silence. Can you hear me? Is this connected right? Sorry, did you? Uh, I don't want to do it. No. How do you feel about that? Listen, I'm yet to, I've, I've watched a few examples of it of it happening and yeah. I know that there are comedy clubs that are, are trying to find a way of monetizing it so they can keep going and I really do hope that works and I'm saying that as a preface to the fact that it looks absolutely horrendous as far as I can tell <laughs> and uh, so the idea of doing it I, I, I just I think that if if this was to become our permanent way of living then I'm going to kiss stand up goodbye because I cannot. I, I, it just can't happen. It, it cannot. It happen. doesn't. It, it's sort of. It's like something really surreal about it. Without an audience, without a live audience in the room, yeah. it suddenly feels. It feels like a conspiracy theorist in a bunker making a, the, 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 a video about. The only way I can see me continuing to stand up is if we get to a point. I just have to wait for them to make human-sized Johnnies that you can just put over yourself so that crowds can once again mm. come out and enjoy stand-up. And I would, I would rather wait for that to be invented than try and do stand-up over Zoom. That is my, that is my personal feeling. I, I'm with you. I would rather wear a giant condom mm. on stage yeah. to an audience of giant condoms. Correct, yeah. That's, that's than what do I it prefer. from my yeah. kitchen into Skype. Having said that, you know, let, let's not pretend... Good luck to everyone doing it. <laughs> And, I, and listen, I'm saying that I really hope it. Fuck, I hope it works. No, I hope there's a solution. Yeah. But I don't and, see if what it, it is. and if it does work, I'll be one of the first people to jump on that bandwagon and say that I never had any doubts. But currently, yeah. doesn't look yeah. hopeful, does it? No, I think that's why I've um, segued into sketch comedy. <laughs> I'm like, sketch comedy works. <laughs> sketch comedy's great, isn't it? I've always said, I've always been banging on about sketch comedy, haven't I? You know me, Brett. Sketch comedy oh. loves it. He's so passionate about it. He's been an ardent, <laughs> ardent defender of it for many, many years now. Sketch comedy to be buried with. He's got that figure. Isn't he? He's absolutely obsessed. Now, oh, Romesh, fuck. What? Oh, shit. What? I forgot to tell you something. Go on. Oh, nuts. I forgot to tell you. I should have told you. Oh, I probably should have even told you before we started recording. Oh, what a donut. Oh, oh I hate myself. Well, I'll just have to. I just gonna have to say it, I guess. Oh fuck! Well, you you've died. You've died. Sorry. Okay. Well, how did you, how did how did you die? It was on my own in a pub, and I just fell down this sort of steep kind of thing and broke my <coughs> broke my neck. And died. <laughs> I, I, basically, what happened was the kids the kids were playing in like the play park. Yeah. And it just became too fucking frustrating. And I said, I'm taking a break. Lisa, can you just watch him for a bit? And I was so furious as I walked off, I just, I stumbled and fell into this, into like a, like a narrow gap. And, and I, I, I think the way that I died is people will, will happen upon my body and say, actually, 
if he'd have displayed any kind mm-hmm. of inclination or effort, he could have got out of this quite easily. But you, you know when they say that guy survived through sheer force of will and he overcame... I, people would find my body and go, he could have got out of this so easily. It's, it's such a shame that he didn't even he have the least back amount of willing to try and get himself out of this predicament, yeah. <laughs> if anything, he, he probably died of starvation because he's in there for so long. He was, I don't think he was stuck. If he'd have just <laughs> taken his shoe off... He would have been freed. <laughs> wow. I love that, Def. It's one of my favourites. Mm. Mm. Do you worry about Def? No, I don't particularly worry about it. I flirt with the idea of it, you know, of, uh, a lot in my head. Do you know what I, mean? I, I used to be such a narcissistic child. I used to, like, if, I don't know, if my mum really told me off, I would fantasise about dying and then about how they talk about me when I was gone. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was such a nice boy. All he wanted to do was make people happy. You know, that sort of, that sort of really egotistical. Yeah. It's pretty dark. It's, it's, a really, it's a real narcissistic trait. But um, I do think since having children, I've become more frightened of it. Because I, not for me, I just think to myself, I haven't given them enough good memories of who I am as a human for them to eulogise about me positively at this stage. I'm so con- it's still about how the funeral is going to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. I was sort of talking yeah, about. I was, I was, you've I was, really, gr- <laughs> you've really grown up. You've really progressed. <laughs> I was talking Listen. there. So I've left that narcissism behind. I've left that ego behind. I'm completely freed of it. What I am going to be doing today is writing the eulogies that I want them to say. <laughs> just okay. I'm going to put that with my will. Just going to be a little folder of stuff I want them to talk about. It's say. scripted reality for the funeral, so if you could just say these words. Uh, Lisa, if you could cry in the middle, it's great. No, but I don't, I don't mean it as trivially as that. What I mean is I want my kids to remember me fondly, uh, you know, to think of me as a good dad, and I, yeah. don't, I don't know if I've got enough in the locker. If you think about it, my, our oldest son is 10, so he's got a lot mm. of life to live. Have I instilled in him enough of a, a respect and a love for me that he might talk mm-hmm. about his talk about me to his kids currently if i die today yeah. i don't i don't know if i'll even be mentioned so do you really? know what I mean? yeah i've got to step it up a bit you know what you think maybe his kids will be about 18 and they'll go dad you never you never talk about your dad and he'll go oh yeah 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 he'll I go forgot about him. oh you mean that guy whose biggest contribution to my life is calling me a prick on stage oh. yeah Oh yeah, he's a he was a great fucking guy. <laughs> that guy that fell down quite a small ditch and couldn't be bothered to crawl out of it. <laughs> long, he was annoyed long, about how long I was on the swing. Longest day at the play park ever. That prick gave me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, what do they think of you calling the pricks on stage? Do they know? Has that uh, ever been a problem? They're aware of it. Yeah. The thing is, is that by the time they see it, uh, I mean when they've watched it. So, for example, mm. I, I actually talk about this in the latest tour show about how I feel like um, I probably went too far. But um, in the in the last show, they watched it two, three years after it after it, it was like I toured it, and so to them, mm. I'm talking about a different person because it's them from three years ago. Like they can laugh at right. who they were three years okay. ago. Do you know what I mean? So it's like if if, nice. if somebody tells a story about how you wet yourself when you were nine theoretically you could still unless you've got unless it's an ongoing problem unless you're still doing it yeah, i guess yeah. okay do you think there's an afterlife no I, I, it's something i have struggled with and still continue to struggle with, if i'm being honest with you 
My mum and dad were quite religious. My mum still is quite religious. My dad was quite religious. And they used to take us to... They're both Hindus. They used to take us to the temple all the time. And I had a spirituality instilled in me throughout my upbringing. And so um, I always have had some sort of belief, I guess. But there's so many things that have kind of gone against that. And I've struggled with that. When my dad died, I remember, you know, I've been being brought up as a Hindu, but not really connecting with it fully. I remember seeing my dad's funeral and just thinking, I don't understand what the fuck's going on here. I mean, there's one point where we had to, we had to, (laughs) we had to, we had to give my dad stuff that would help him on his journey. And the priest that came to our house told us what those things were. And so it was really strange things. Like, so for example, uh, some sandals for the walk, right? That feels fairly normal. Right. An umbrella, right? If it rains, yeah. On the way, a small bag to carry his stuff. I thought, is this? I said to my mum, is this priest <laughs> just by any chance? Is this priest going on holiday anywhere anytime soon, or, or is he planning a trip? Just no. Re- I'm not asking for any particular reason. I ju- I'm just. Uh, it's just the travel we- toothbrush. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> some deodorant. Yeah. A little uh, wheelie bag. Little. Wheelie luggage, he, but just the right size so it can go in, in an overhead, yeah, because uh, for the journey, yeah, for the, the journey. Because often you have to have a small bag in God's plane. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and so that made you think. Well, I no, but well, the, the, the other thing is, is that um, I really hope there is because I, I don't know the idea that my dad died and just vanished. I find that a lot less reassuring than the idea that he might still be aware of what's going on, you know, and he still might be watching over us and stuff like that. You know, that's obviously a lovely thing to think and a much nicer thing to think than he's just, you know, just vanished. But, mm. um, yeah, so, I don't, you know, it's it's something I, I, I kind of internally debate now and again. L- Lisa is very, is very sure about it. You're gone. You're fucking... When you're gone, you're gone. But then... <laughs> But then every now and again, she contradicts that by going, no, maybe that was your dad. And I go, hold on a minute, you don't believe any of that shit. What are you talking about? Yeah, you yeah. just told me he was gone. Yeah. With his travel bag. <laughs> you told me he was on a jet liner uh, to heaven. Uh, <laughs> well, i got good news, Romesh. Uh, there is a heaven. Great. So Lisa was wrong. Okay, good. In this heaven, they're obsessed with films weirdly, and sketch comedy. And, uh, and <laughs> all they want to do is know about your life through film. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing? Well, there's two answers to this question. The first film was the Care Bears movie. Uh, oh, mate. With Danny DeVito. Do you know this film? What? Of course I know this film. <laughs> so, I, uh, my brother and I were obsessed with the Care Bears. It was an insane premise, these bears that live in... I can't even remember what the name of the... Cloud, cloud land? Cloud it might be Cloudland. What did you say? What was the second yeah. one you said? Cloud City, but then I think that's in Star Wars. They yeah, live in Cloudland and they They got... live in Cloudland, yeah. And then when something bad happens, they do this Care Bear stare and then they shoot their bellies out and they sort of colours all shoot out. They just sort of jizz love out their of heart their stomach. Of, they jizz a heart of yeah, love yeah. straight out of their... Straight out. Care Bear yeah. stare! And then like this <laughs> colours and light shoot out of their bellies. And uh, my brother and I fucking love that film, man. Yeah, I remember. I remember being. Uh, I remember it was my sort of earliest recollection of Asian parent knockoffs, because my brother and I wanted a Care Bear, 
Mm-hmm. And instead, my mum bought us... This is just as good as Care Bear. And it was just this, like, shit, just hideous-looking bear. <laughs> Didn't have anything on its belly. It just had fur that came off when you breathed too hard on it. Do it you had it actual just... jizz on it. <laughs> yeah, 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 it did, yeah. Some market store owner had actually wanked into it before putting it on... Putting it on for sale. That's no, that's a, that's special yeah. care bear. Yeah, no, that's uh, crusty. Go, go. That's crusty bear. That is. <laughs> no, he's one of the limited edition ones. Ah, uh, I love that film. Yeah, but good. That I miss, was that on TV or at the cinema? No, I went to the cinema. Um, it was a cinema that got closed down, became Bar Med for a while, and is now uh, Turtle Bay. You know Turtle Bay? Wow. Cod Jamaican. It's like the UB40 of Jamaican restaurants. There is no authentic, there's nothing authentically Caribbean about it. But, the, but I do also remember, the reason I sort of say there's two answers to this, is that the first film I remember having a visceral reaction to was one of my dad's, my, my mum and dad used to, um, they had a, a big group of Sri Lankan friends, all the Sri Lankan, big Sri Lankan community and crawling in London, and they all used to meet up all the time. My memories as a child were constantly socialising with other Sri Lankan, British Sri Lankan kids and stuff like that. It's constant, right? And my dad's mate brought to our house a pirate copy of Terminator, right? And I hadn't even heard of this film. And he said, oh, this is like the new film that everyone's going to be going on about. It's like, we should watch this. And my mum and dad, I don't know what your folks are like, but my mum and dad, just ratings, they had no concept of what ratings or anything like that. It just didn't mean anything to them. So they let us watch it. We all sat up and stayed up and watched it. And I remember, um, I, I had to have the next two days off school because I was so fucking terrified of the world as a result of watching that. Like, it fucked with my head. So, you know those, those flashes to the future? I remember just, fuck, oh, oh wow, my yeah. God. It was some of the most brutal imagery. I said the brutal Im- most brutal imagery I'd ever seen in my life. I was fucking like, what, eight? I mean, the, the, it, Yeah, it was it, that it, and the Care Bear. Exactly. It was a bit where one of the Care Bears looked a bit sad for 45 <laughs> seconds during the second act. Do you know what I mean? That was, that was what I had it to compare that, to. Up to that point, it was the most brutal imagery. Then you saw an entire apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I jump. don't know what the fuck my parents were thinking. But you know, you know the, 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 clo- the end when he just keeps coming? Yeah. I, I just remember, I, I just... I'd never seen anything like it. Obviously, I'd never seen anything like it. But it was ju- I just remember all of that. You know, you're often the things that you see for the first time like that are the things that stay with you forever. And just that experience of watching a film, I think, you know, I was so scared. I was terrified. It affected me, like fucked in my head for the next couple of days. I'm not saying I want that every time I watch a film. But obviously, the more you watch films the less films have that kind of impact on you because you've seen tropes and stuff like that and you become... Mm. But that as a, as a film-watching experience was, in terms of an actual bodily reaction, was one of the strongest I've ever had, man, even to this day. It's crazy. That's amazing. Care Bears into the Terminator is a, hell, uh, is a brilliant double bill. Yeah. And, a, yeah it was. and in that order as well, I think. Yeah, and also to have uh, a child that you know is of the sort of sensibilities that they enjoy the Care Bear movie, to think that even on a taste level, never mind the rating, to think that that, that Venn diagram might overlap your, in that way. Oh, do you like Your mum and dad are like, 
Like a really bad Amazon delivery. Like, oh, if you enjoy Care Bears, you might also enjoy The Terminator. Uh, it's got stuff um, coming out of people's stomachs, but it's when they're being stamped on by a T-800. <laughs> Sweet dreams. Um, so, uh, what is the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier? It depends on the... F- I've gone through crying phases in my life where I've, like just suddenly anything can sort of set me off. Do you know what I mean? But um, there's there's two equal contenders for this accolade. Do, do I cry a lot? It, it, just, it just depends on what I've been going through at that period. So, for example, there's some films, I can't think of what they might be, but there's some films that Lisa has gone to me, this is really going to get to you, and I've watched it like a fucking cold-hearted psychopath. But then, on another occasion... Just in your head, still planning your funeral. You yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, they'll talk about this. They'll talk about this. He was so he was so focused Stoic. that he didn't even didn't even cry when I showed him whatever the hell the film was. But um, but then I watched like Up. You know, I know that's the go-to one, but I found I I, I think I cried seven or eight times during that film. But that's still not right. the film I cried at the most. Um, and it, 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 there's two contenders. If you're talking about just immediate descent into floods of tears, just apropos of nothing, just fucking completely, um, it would have to be, and this must be the same for a lot of people, Men in Black 3. Now, what, <laughs> what, now, what happened with Men in Black 3, right? Was, it's a was, moving ending. Yeah, no. Yeah, it, yeah, okay, but that's, Brett, that's the thing, right? So my dad had died maybe the year before that film came out, right? And mm-hmm. um, and I had... So my dad died of a... I'm getting into way too much detail like this. But anyway, my dad died of a heart attack at his house, right? My brother f- phoned me up and he said, I've just found dad. You need to come home straight away. I was at a gig. I came home. God. Came to find dad, right? And I, I cried then, right? In such a way that the next day, my brother said to me, I know that it's sad that dad died, but that noise you made yesterday was absolutely insane. <laughs> but then, but then, since then, since then, after that, I hadn't really cried that much, right? So then, I was doing a weekend at uh, Birmingham Glee, and on the Saturday morning, I thought to myself, I didn't really know any of the other comics on the bill, so I thought I wasn't hanging out with them. So I was essentially having a weekend on my own. I thought to myself, let me just go to the cinema, and Men in Black Three was on. So I went to watch Men in Black 3, thinking to myself, this is definitely going to be better than Men in Black 2, because better than Men in Black 2 is also any kind of STI, because Men in Black 2 was a, a, an absolute fucking travesty, right? But, so, so I go in to sit to watch Men in Black 3, there's families there, because it's a family film, mm-hmm. I'm there with a large popcorn just on my own, right? And, it, and I would say at this time, I had just started getting used to going to the cinema on my own. Because now, right. going to the cinema on my own is just something I don't even think about. But it, right. it only, you know, when you start as a comic, I think like mm-hmm. you start doing that more and more and more. But the first few, that was in the stage where I was thinking, I'm not sure about this. I felt like people were looking at me and shit like that. Right. So yeah. anyway, you know that when he, fi- he finds out at the end of Men in Black 3, there's this, there's this dad storyline and they, you find out why K and J ended up, you know, why he ended up taking him under his wing or whatever. Anyway, I watched that. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I was, I, there was a combination of, of anger as well because I thought what they did with that time travel storyline was fucking insane. They, they, you cannot, you know, time travel is difficult 
when you're really trying to be careful and they just were so careless mm. with the consistency of it and very careless yeah. it was so absolutely ridiculous but there was a lot you know there's a lot of good stuff in that film anyway the point is when the dad thing happened i just fucking absolutely collapsed into my popcorn just started sobbing my fucking eyes out and i imagine that if you were to ever have on your podcast any of the other people that were in that cinema and you were said to and you were to ask them what is one of the most horrifying things you've ever experienced at a cinema i imagine it would be when i took my kids to watch the family film men in black 3 and a man sat on his own started sobbing loudly in the corner of the theater <laughs> a noise i'd never heard before <laughs> Your brother comes running and goes, that's the fucking noise. What's wrong with him? <laughs> Is he an animal? <laughs> wow, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a heck of an answer. We've never had Men in Black 3. No. But I get it. Yeah. If you want the regular, you know, not the regular answer, but the thing that did sort of, it was Lion, if I'm being honest with you. But... You know, Lion. We've had Lion. We've had Lion. Yeah. Men in Black 3 is, yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The final part of that film is you, people must have said this before. Turgid. You know, the, the, the... <laughs> it's not. It's not come up. It's not what, come what, up. What, what? You have a magical section where this this boy gives a heartrending performance, being lost in India, terrifying, <laughs> totally related to it. Right. I watched it while I was I was drunk on a plane, so that sort of adds to the emotion yeah. of it. Right. And then they decide, what, what can we do to, fit, to, to, to take this film to its closing? Oh, let's just have Dev Patel on Google Earth for an hour. That, that's essentially what the last <laughs> section of that film is. It's just him repeatedly looking at Google Earth, trying to remember the mm. village. Fuck off. I, I, I think that's, what, that's why the tears continue. To thought, this is how this, film, this, is how this film's going to end. After that, that's such a magical first section. This is how they're going to finish it. The whole film's an advert for Google Earth. Ah, <laughs> oh, I've been duped. <laughs> I am a corporate whore. Just sobbing. <laughs> Awful. What is the film that scared you the most, other than The Terminator? Okay, this is a really shit answer. It's a film I have a recollection of being scared by the most. <laughs> I'm actually embarrassed to say. Was Scream. But now, 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 hold on. I know you're going to judge me. Just bear with me. Just bear with me one second. Yeah. Just bear with me. Your show. Go just, for it. just bear with me one second. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm talking about having a physical reaction. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, a lot of people forget this. A lot of people think that that because there were so many copycat films to this, right? That actually it's a terrible film. But in terms of jump scares, all right, that film. Going to the cinema to watch it with the girl I was seeing at the time, uh, who turned out she didn't love me as much as I thought. That it, when I went to watch that film, jumping because of how scared you were in Scream, I, I can't imagine that helped. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I cannot imagine it aroused her. Um, <laughs> but anyway, listen. The point is, mm. I remember thinking, "Fucking hell!" I that that is, I've never had an experience like that where I've jumped and been shocked and scared so much by a film. Now, of course, mm. I've watched since then. I've watched other scary films and I've realised that actually what I was then was a, a cunt. I, I understand that. But that's only because that's only because my experiences of that type of thing were so limited, do you know what I mean? And so I've since, you know, 
I've realised that there's a different, there's a different, more nuanced quality of of horror. Blah blah blah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, the Babadook's good and all that fucking shit. Do you know what I mean? I understand all of that now, but I didn't know that then. Do you know what I mean? Then I was just like, oh, oh my god, oh, what? oh, Jesus Christ! Um, and then why don't you love me enough? <laughs> How come we don't want to have sex as much anymore? Huh? Oh, Jesus! Um, <laughs> What do you mean? I'm not bad. <laughs> I went through a phase. I went through a phase of, um, of, of of watching those films a lot, and then obviously what happens is, is like like your favourite fast food place. You start to realise that, that actually it's very it's un, very unsatisfying and an absence of of any kind of real nourishment. So I get all of that. Do you know what I mean? I would say the most frightening experience I had in a cinema though was. Uh, Lisa was heavily pregnant with uh, Theo, our eldest, um, and so she'd not yet gone through childbirth. And I made the mistake of taking her to a distracting viewing to take her mind off the fact she was fed up with being pregnant. I took her to watch The Orphan. Now, I don't know if you remember the opening sequence of The Orphan, but it is where a woman is quite literally split into giving birth to a baby and dying in the process. It was... I cannot tell you that you want a horror film. That's that's a horror experience right there. That was horrendous. The rest of the film I was nonplussed by, but that was it was a visceral experience. You took a heavily heavily pregnant woman to see a film called Orphan. Correct, but I didn't know there. Were, I didn't know it was an origin story. I thought we were going to join the orphan later on. Do you know what I mean? And see what was going on. They fucking showed everything. It's not my fault. If the, if the film had been called Childbirth Slaughter, then yes, I'll accept some blame for it not being appropriate to take a pregnant wife to. But fuck, it's called The Orphan. Anyway. Okay. The Orphan, by the way, is that the one with one of the greatest twists of all time where they adopt a girl? And the twist <laughs> is, spoiler alert, it's, it's an old woman. <laughs> an old psychopathic woman that pretended to be a... A six-year-old. It's I, so. I, I love terrible. that twist. No, come on, mate. Come on. It's, you saw I that. I mean, it's like I like them thinking about it. I like them going, "How are we going to end this?" She's a grown adult serial killer. Okay. I, I think that, ready to go. Yeah, what but, are we calling this? Child, uh, childbirth slaughter? Nah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, because because the problem is you you'll put you'll put off expectant couples if you call it that. Do you know what I mean? Let's let's we we, we need their money as well. We need them coming along. Do you, do you know what? It's an attractive title for, for <laughs> people about to give birth. Orphan. You call it orphan. <laughs> it works. Do you know the problem with that twist is it actually mm. makes the film less disturbing because a kid doing that is terrifying. A kid doing all that shit is horrific mm. and you sort of think, fucking hell, what's had to happen to that child to make her behave like that? And then you go, actually, she's an adult. And you go, okay, well, I can totally buy an adult doing that. I mean, that's just... You've, you've actually made it less... No, it makes sense. You've made it less Yeah, you've upsetting. made it make sense. Yeah. You've, you've given it some psychological depth now, so I'm out. Yeah. But a kid, actually a kid being like that, fucking hell, that's scary. Yeah. That is, now that's horror. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. What is the film that people don't like? Critically, it's not acclaimed, but you're like, you're all idiots. I love this film unconditionally. I think it's... It's probably the golden child. What a fantastic answer. 
I watched that film when I was absolutely head over heels in love with Eddie Murphy. Like, absolutely. I, 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 his, when My Name is Dolomite came out, I was so fucking happy at how good that film was. Because I love that film. Yeah, because Eddie Murphy, to me, is so... Inc- he's one of the most naturally charismatic and funny comedic actors. I-, I-, I loved him as a kid, like, obsessed with him. Watched everything, right? You know, Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop I love. Tra- you know, all of those films. I don't need to name Eddie. I'm not fucking ID. ID IM, you, will, you know what I mean? I'm not listening to his films. That's the point I'm trying to make, Right. Golden I'm not child. PPT. I, I'm not ID. I'm not I. I'm not ID. I'm not PPO. Fucking, you know, whatever. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's happening to me more on lockdown. By the way, I'm starting sentences that I've got no idea where I'm going with. <laughs> I, saw, I actually googled it the other day as a potential symptom of Corona because I was doing it so much that I thought it must be That's it must be a condition. Um, anyway, so Golden Child. Eddie Murphy has to, for some, for reasons that are sort of beyond explanation of us, the scriptwriters or anybody, it's not really made completely clear, has to look after this child who is going to essentially save the world, I think, or is some sort of, uh, and it's just everybody I've spoken to thinks it's shit. Every, everybody, I don't think it was, I don't know how well it was reviewed, but every time I mention it, as one of the films that I... I'll go, oh, Eddie Murphy was used to be so good, man, didn't he? And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, like, Beverly Hills Cop and Trading Places. And they'll go, Golden Child. I go, what? What? Sorry, man. It sounded like you said... Sorry, mate. I don't know if I missed... It sounded like you said Golden Child. Uh, because people just hate that movie. Because it's got yeah, some weird... It's got some... First of all, the special effects, I think, even for that time, were dreadful. The context of... It doesn't, it doesn't matter how charismatic Eddie Murphy is that context is not suitable for him. You know, on paper. The, the idea mm. that somebody said, oh, that Eddie, Eddie Murphy's great, isn't he? Why do we put him in some sort of Eastern adventure where he has to protect a child from a demon? Oh, that sounds like, that sounds like absolute textbook what you do with Eddie Murphy. That is, that is crystal clear <laughs> next step what you do with Eddie Murphy. But it's got loads of funny lines in it. There's a bit where he has to... I don't know if you. I don't know how how well do you know the film. Well, I think I I haven't seen it since uh, since back in the day. But I think it's like it was also meant to be a bit like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like there's there's certainly like a platform game bit where you have yes, to that's the bit. That's jump the, across. Yeah, so he has to columns he has, and shit. He has to retrieve. I think he has to retrieve a knife without spilling. I might have got this wrong, so apologies any uh, huge Golden Child fans that listen Golden to this Child. podcast. So there's, he's got to make it across these platforms without spilling any of this water, right? And if he makes it there, he can retrieve the knife or something like that. And then there's a bit is where it goes, one of the, the things that they say to him is, only a man whose heart is pure can wield the knife. And then he's walking down these stairs and he goes, only a man whose heart is pure can wield the knife. And only a man whose ass is narrow can get down these steps. And if mine is such an ass, then I shall have it. And just the way, it's, it's such a terrible line on paper. It fucking made me lose my mind. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. And then there's a bit where they had to, there's a bit where there's this column and it had this rotating bit on it. And they were talking to this, this priest and you have to spin the thing and as it's spinning, you talk. So we have come to retrieve the Ashanti knife. Please, could you tell us how to get it? And then Eddie Murphy walks up to it and goes, ah, 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 I want the knife. <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. So fucking funny. <laughs> uh, right. 
That's it. Everything. There's so film. much. There's so much shit about that film, but I loved it. Fucking still love it, man. What a film? Um, what is a film that you used to love? You used to love this film, but then you've watched it recently and you've gone, "Oh boy, I do not feel the same way about this." Uh, Deep Blue Sea. That's sad. Now I'm, so, I'm sorry that that happened to you. So Deep Blue Sea. I uh, love shark films. Right. I, yeah. I absolutely adore them. As do most people. Is that right? Am I right in saying that? Most people love shark films, don't they? Uh, they're popular. They're a popular yeah. genre. The shark film. Yeah, and obviously, I've I've long wanted a film to sort of compensate for the utter trash that was Jaws. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but I, 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 I remember going to watch. I remember going to watch Deep Blue Sea, and I thought, to me, at my at that stage in my life, it had the hookiest premise ever for me, which was that. These sharks, they're like normal sharks, which are terrifying, but they're fucking mutated, so they're even more dangerous than regular sharks. Yes, please. Absolutely 100%, right? And the reason... I, I went to watch that film. I'm not, I'm not lying. went to watch that film three times at the cinema when it came out because I loved it so much. There's a lot of cool stuff in it. There's the bit mm-hmm. where... Um, the shark has the guy in the in the stretcher and it flings it towards that. They've got that viewing glass where they're looking. Yeah. It's called a window, isn't it? It's not a viewing glass. They've got a huge window, that reinforced glass, and then the shark throws the stretcher against the window and then a little crack forms and then it starts. Oh, my God. What a moment, right? LL Cool J is a chef yeah. in it. Yes, please. Right? He's got a mm-hmm. parrot. 100% yes. Yeah. One of the best death scenes in the history of cinema. Yes, please. Right? Agree, agree, agree. Yes. Um, Also, what made it better for me was it had the shittest reason for mutating those sharks that you could ever possibly imagine, which was... Do you remember? To cure Alzheimer's. To cure Alzheimer's. Right? (laughs) I mean, come the fuck on! Um, like, so where, where, who else are you going to go to to cure Alzheimer's? Sharks. <laughs> it's the front of people who wrote Orphan. I wonder if that was a test. It's one of those egotistical things where they've said, listen, this, do you know how much, how good I think this, this film's going to be? You could literally give him, you could give these fucking morons any reason for breeding these sharks. They don't care. Make it to help to cure Alzheimer's or something. They'll lap it up, these fucking... They'll go to the cinema more than once to watch it. These people are so fucking stupid. So anyway, I loved everything about it at the time. Mm-hmm. And then recently, um, I went to the cinema... More recently, I went to the cinema to watch the IMAX presentation of The Meg, which has... Right. Uh, which owes a lot to Deep Blue Sea in terms of the underwater sea base and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and mm. I thought to myself, this film is obviously uh, dreadful, but as a visual spectacle, uh, I get it. And then I thought, and then I started talking to the people I went to watch it with about how this wasn't. I tell you what, this isn't. This isn't bloody Deep Blue Sea. Now that's a great shark movie. And uh, they went, "Oh, shut up!" And then I decided to go back to watch Deep Blue Sea so that I could meet them again if they agreed to, to tell them about how good Deep Blue Sea was. And I just did not, I, I found it, the experience devoid of any enjoyment at all. It just lost, I don't know, mm. I don't know why. Because in your pitch of the film, you've totally sort of sold it. Yeah, exactly. LL Cool J's mm. wandering around. And he's a chef. Also, Emerald Fennell, who was on this show, she pointed out that one of the greatest scenes of all time is a shark working out how to turn on an oven. 
So, uh, you know, I'll take the answer, but I don't think you or I really believe that it's not brilliant. I'll tell you what I do think. I do think that LL Cool J, when he decided to write the song for that film, must have had a lot else on at that time because the chorus, deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin, could not be more on the fucking nose. I mean, mean, what are you doing? Can you introduce... We wanted to do a song about this shark movie and he's literally done oh I look like a shark I'm I'm going through the water my hat's like a shark's fin just Jesus fucking Christ I I, I can't believe they okayed it I can't believe the note didn't go back to LL Cool J going oh just a quick one um, L it's a really catchy song it just it feels have you thought about going like a maybe 5% less literal on this on your interpretation of it (laughs) Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good, but because of the experience you had around seeing the film, that means you will always remember it fondly. Uh, so my choice for this, uh, and apologies if it's come up before, is Hop, which is the film where Russell Brand... The Easter Bunny. Yes, Easter Bunny correct, film. where Russell, Russell Brand. Brand voices... Uh, the Easter Bunny. Well, he, he doesn't voice the Easter Bunny. He voices the Easter Bunny elect because he's not at the beginning of the film. Uh, he's not the yeah. Easter Bunny. Uh, he is an aspirant uh, rock star, uh, and right. uh, his dad wants him to be the Easter Bunny, uh, and he doesn't want right. to, and so he runs away. Uh, and it's all about him, sort of. It's an identity. Hop movie. comes up. Hop comes up as much as Men in Black Three. Go on. <laughs> so, so anyway. My kids were obsessed with this film, right? And uh, we had it on a lot. And the reason that that it's hot is because, basically, at that time, I had been doing stand-up comedy for a bit. We were completely and utterly broke as a direct result of me going into stand-up comedy. We didn't have any money at all. Jesus. Didn't have any money at all. Just before, maybe like the month before, we'd we'd had our car taken away because I hadn't paid the road tax on it. And I remember, I remember um, Lisa was, it was a really dark, anyway, I'm trying to set up this, the, the point is, the, the, I'm trying to point out to you that I was in a dark place, right? I was in a really, it was really fucking, I, I couldn't see how this was going to get any better. I was just like, I'm going to have to quit comedy and this is like, and you've taken your family mm. into this situation because of your vanity and blah, blah, you know, all of these horrible things mm. were going through my head, right? And then... 
there's a bit where Hop is that his name in it? Is his name Hop? I can't, I can't remember. Anyway, there's a, there's a point in that film where he's absolutely rock bottom, right? He's absolutely rock bottom, and I was sitting there just like really just like utterly fucked, fucked off with life, just completely like. And there's a bit where he goes, you know what? Maybe this is the rags part of my rags to riches story. And I'm not exaggerating. That was like almost like, it's the context of it, obviously. It was almost like a fucking life-changing moment to me. Like I I suddenly got instilled with this. I I, I know this sounds mad. It sounds insane, but I'm just telling you exactly how it happened. It suddenly, I suddenly thought, yeah, that's what this is. This is the bit that I will tell people about when I've got out of this situation and I'm starting to, do you know what I mean? I, I really, I really felt like I needed to have that, that moment at that time. Like it felt perfect. And I, yeah, I, 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 it was just the moment that gave me the belief to, to, to sort of go, Oh, I probably, there's a chart. I'm going to make it out of this. I will make it out of this somehow. And I didn't know, by the way, whether that was going to be comedy. There wasn't me thinking, I'm going to make it as a comedian. It was me thinking mm. I might go back into teaching or I might find some other path. It wasn't the thing that I suddenly, it didn't give me the belief yeah. that I was going to become a comedian. It gave me the belief that we, I was going to, we were going to get out of this. This wasn't permanent, this situation. Do you know what I mean? It was weird. It was like. That's amazing. Mess. Russell Brand is Easter Bunny. Elect. Changed your life. I, I take that very seriously, what you said, because uh, the most profound thing I've seen at the cinema this year uh, and I'm not joking, is Bad Boys 3. Have you seen Bad Boys 3? No. Uh, uh, I'll tell you why I haven't seen it. It's because yeah. I love Bad Boys so much, and yeah. I liked Bad Boys 2, and I was really concerned that my spirit couldn't take Bad Boys 3 being awful. That's basically the reason it's, I haven't seen it. it. It's great. You're safe. I felt the same way. I was very worried about it. But right. in Bad Boys 3, which, you know, is kind of silly and has jokes and silly action and it's all very over the top and, you know, lots of weird shots and stuff and it's all very glamorous and silly and stupid. And then bang in the middle of it, completely out of nowhere, Joe Pantaleone tells Will Smith a fucking little parable from the Tibetan Book of the Dead or something that pops up in the middle of this blockbuster film that I have thought about every single day and I'm working on myself because of this. He says to Will Smith, he goes, oh, literally out of nowhere in the middle of this mad film, bombs going off, shootings, everything. He says to him, there's a story, there's a, I think it's Buddhist, it doesn't matter. He says, there's there's a desert um, pathway and there's a man walking on his own along this pathway and in the distance he sees a man on a horse and the horse is galloping straight towards him but there's all this space and he thinks the man on the horse is gonna get out the way but the man on the horse is just galloping straight at him and eventually the man walking has to dive out of the way and the man on the horse goes straight past and he calls after him and he says where the fuck are you going and the man on the horse goes I don't know ask my horse and he says we're all just being ridden by a horse. Our horses, our emotion, our past, our neuroses, all the things we have to be in control of so that you decide, you decide where you're going, not the fucking horse. Wow. He goes, to, he, goes, he goes to Will Smith, he goes, where are you going, man? Holy <sighs> shit. Bad boy's free. That is, that is, Will Smith asked for that to be put in, didn't he? 100%. Ramesh, 
Where are you going, man? <sighs> that is. I mean, that is incredible. It's, it's proper, isn't it? Have you have you watched any of Will Smith's kind of philosophy and stuff like that? I've seen a bit of it. I'm all for it. You know he's know obsessed. You know he's, you know he's obsessed with the alchemist and stuff like that, and telling the universe that you want something to happen, and and then you know, like if you can watch these. YouTube things of where little bits of each interview that he's done cut together to turn him into some sort of right. fucking Tony Robbins. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like, he, he properly <laughs> believes all that shit. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like, you might go, Lone Island, I want this to be, I want this to be a movie franchise. All right, right. Now I've said it. Now I've said it. Now the universe just has to catch up. That's, that's what he, that's what he believes. Do you know what I mean? I said it. Now you just got to get there. You have got, just got to get there. That's, what, that's how he sees it. That's like oh, he loves man. all that shit. So that, so that, that is exactly the yeah. sort of thing that Will Smith would go. Look, okay, it's all cool, and I like the Martin Lawrence sort of bulgy eyes being hilarious and all that. But I, we must have. Can we please make sure that we have the yeah. horse bit in there? That's and amazing. He's, and he's right too, because it has stayed with me ever since. Yeah, and, I think and also because it sneaks in the middle. Yeah. Like I think that might be a metaphor for him agreeing to do Bad Boys Three. <laughs> you know. This horse is just riding. This bad boy is just fucking coming towards. Do I have to do this? Do I have to do this? It's coming. Martin Lawrence is on it. He's like, buddy, I need this. Ah, oh, fucking hell. Do I have to do this? <laughs> Where are you going? Ah, oh, fuck. I guess I'm doing bad boys three. <laughs> Ramesh, ooh, what is the, <laughs> what is the film you most relate to? Or is it hot? Oh, uh, I've got... I, that's a hard one, but um, and I've got a really shit answer for this. Uh, just so you know, by the way, um, I, I just want to sort okay. of clarify at this point. That, um, my, I, I know that I've asked to be on this podcast from you many times, and that might have given many me the impression times. that I consider myself to be a film connoisseur. I just want to give you some yeah. sort of context. Do you know DJ Yoda? Uh, so yeah. D, DJ Yoda got in touch with me a while ago, and he said to me, I'm doing this... Um, film festival thing where I'm getting people to curate some of their films and, and introduce them and talk about them. And he goes, uh, what would be your films? And he just sort of gave me some categories. And I told him, and I basically got myself removed from the festival with my choice of movies. But it, it, it... We're not playing hop at the fucking <laughs> DJ Yoda Fest. We're not having hop, Care Bears and Men in Black Free, Ramesh. <laughs> Uh, what's the film you most relate to? Uh, it's American Pie. You know, Jim. Yeah, that's it. I am Jim. I mean, I, I don't relate to many things ever. That's... But I, everything about that guy in the first film is me, man. And I'm not talking about, I know that sounds like an obvious thing to do, like Frustrated Virgin, but I'm talking about the, the guy that's sort of needy in conversations, the guy that... I, I actually sometimes think of myself as a. I, I, basically, when we when when I was about, I guess between the years of twelve and seventeen, my family life got turned upside down. My dad went to prison, house got repossessed. We ended up living in council, like a council estate, and all this shit. Right, so a very very quick period of time, it all got turned upside down. And sometimes I think to myself, would I have been like how I am now, had we not gone through all of that stuff. And I'm not mm. saying it's the worst thing that anyone's gone through, but it was formative, right? And um, uh, sometimes I think back to how I was as a kid, and I think, no, actually, at your core, you were a, a horrendous child. 
and actually sort of needy and pathetic and sort of, you know, people talk about code switching. I used to code switch left, right and centre. I remember just so desperate for friends. I remember pretending I was into the Smiths just because I wanted this new group of people to like me. And then like he, he lent me, the guy, one of the guys lent me the Smiths album and I didn't even listen to it because I've got no interest in listening to the fucking Smiths, right? No disrespect if you like them, but just not for me, right? And I gave him back the tape and he goes, oh, it's weird, it's in exactly the same position on the thing that I gave it to you. I don't know why he was fucking poroing how, whether I'd listen to the album or not. But, um, but anyway, yeah, so the point I'm trying to make is that kind of, that kind of, and also the girls thing as well. I mean, I, I, I know I'm talking to somebody who's, who's the force is very strong in you, but I, my ability to engage with women, to encourage them mm-hmm. to respond to me, to see me as anything other than a, a distasteful ornament in their lives. I just have got nothing, absolutely nothing. Do you know what I mean? So that kind of, that kind of thing where you, you pretend that neediness where you try and be everything that you, that, that you think that girl wants you to be. I, 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 I grew up doing that, man. Mm-hmm. That fucking needy little... T- oh, well, I can do that. I can be like that. I can, I can be like that if you want me to. If, that, if, that's, if that's what you, if that's what you yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Yeah, sure. What? What? You don't want to? You don't want to hang yeah. out anymore? Oh, okay. You know that kind of shit. That I relate to. 100%. Smiths, Smiths, Smiths. <laughs> what? Um, did you fuck a pie? I guess is what I have to ask. No, but one of my first uh, routines uh, as a stand-up that used to be my go-to routine was this story. Uh, obviously, a made-up story about how uh, Sri Lankans always work at twenty-four-hour petrol stations. Um, I think I might have got rid of this before you and I started gigging together. It was very, very early open spot days. But um, I used the joke would go, and I'm not saying this is a good joke, by the way. I'm just telling you this was the joke. So uh, I go to a 24-hour Hey, this is stand up now, so let's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, guys, um, uh, uh, <laughs> huh? what do you do? Um, no, so um, yeah. the bit was I go to 24 hour petrol station and I'm looking for a copy of Asian. I want to get a copy of Asian Babes because I'm so lonely or whatever, right? And. Uh, so I, I turn up at the 24-hour petrol station and my Uncle Raj is behind the counter, right? So obviously I can't buy a copy of Asian Babes then, right? I've got to pretend I'm there for something innocent, like a cheese and onion pasty, and then do something with that, right? That was, that was a joke, right? So, and I think... Very good joke. Thanks. And I, I mean, it wasn't, but thank you. But I think that joke wouldn't have existed were it not for American Pie. I think American Pie left its imprint on me mm. so much that I thought it would be acceptable to make a joke about using a pasty as a wank sleeve. That is, that is essentially what I think that film did to me. Man, these films have really, really done you a number. <clears throat> what is objectively the greatest film of all time? Can I tell you something? So, you know, I do this hip hop podcast and yeah. I always say, yeah, thank you. I always say to them, what's your favourite hip hop album of all time? And they always say to me, oh, this is a really difficult question. I just think, I'll just fucking answer the question, you fucking arsehole. Yeah. And now you've now you mm. ask me the question, and I realise yeah. that I have been a prick on to my guests on every yeah. single episode of Hip Hop Save My Life. Yeah, uh, for the record, I wouldn't do my own podcast. Because you couldn't answer this question. Like, yeah, I'd be like, fuck off, I'm not answering those ridiculous questions. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Greatest film of all time. Ah! Oh! 
I would say, oh God, I, basically the reason I'm telling you this is because I told Nick Helm this and he shouted at me. It's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. You can absolutely have that. I Listen, I'm just, I'm just delighted you haven't said The Godfather. Everyone always says The Godfather <laughs> and it annoys me because it's not The Godfather. It's definitely not The Godfather, but everyone keeps fucking saying it is. I love that film. I Great film. Fell in love with Kate Winslet in that film, and I feel like she undid all of the terrible work she did in Titanic. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I, I really, um, to me, that film made me fall in love with the idea of being in love, like more more than any other thing I've ever watched. The whole when he's chasing the memories and trying to hold on to them, I just found it. Oh God, I love it. I love it so so much. It's just, and then every time I watch that film. I go over to Lisa and I kiss her on the forehead because it reminds me of how much I love her. And she says to me, why are you being weird? It's, it's, it's so nice. So yeah, I just fucking love that film. And, and, I don't know. It's, it's just a great, I, 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 I can't. It's a great I, film. But, it's a really great film. And, it's a, and I also think the thing I love about that film is I think it's, aside from it's clever and interesting and original, that is that the end is... The thing that I think that whenever people say, what's your biggest regret or anything, it doesn't matter because you have to have lived your life to to learn the thing. So they're yeah. just going to do it all over again. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, um, I don't know. I, I just, it's the, it's the one film that I watch. No, it's not true. It's not the one film. There's lots of films that are like this. But th- that film, when, it, when I watched it, you know, with, the thing with favourite films or films that are one of your favourites is you remember a time watching it where you suddenly realised that this is one of your favourite films. And I remember sitting and it just, it came on, and I'd seen it a couple of times before and it came on the telly and I had nothing else to do and I just stuck it on. And I just, I I remember just thinking, this is one of the most incredible experiences I've had watching a film. And I was just on my own in my living room at the end of a relationship that, uh, I mean, that probably, the context probably helped. Was it the relationship where you went to see scream and was and made noises and put her up no that that, that, that was that no that was a that was a different third relationship brett and um okay <laughs> that was another one that i managed to push her away and, but um that the, so but this was like i remember just sort of watching it and just thinking i really want to be head over heels in love with someone because this film has made me fall in love with the idea of that do you know what i mean so there you go that's lovely um Ramesh. Fingers crossed I find it, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, good luck, man. Thanks, man. Keep believing. (laughs) Promise, look me in the eye. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen? I don't have good answers for these. I don't know what you mean. What do you mean by sexy film? Because if you're talking about about the non-pornographic film that I had an erection for the the most amount of time, it would be basic instinct. It would be basic instinct. Great. Absolutely nothing wrong with that answer. (laughs) Now, there's a bit of context to this story. So uh, I think I was was underage to watch this film when it came out. And Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine uh, who's 18, uh, yes, I was a 14-year-old boy hanging out with an 18-year-old. There's nothing weird about that. And he, we went to the cinema together and he said to me, I'm going to try and get you in to watch Basic Instinct but try and be mature. And at that time, all we'd heard about mm-hmm. was the, you know, the infamous legs uncrossing bit, right? So that's kind of, that was the bit that got us, that had got us to the door. So the marketing team had done an f- absolutely fucking cracking job on that, right? So 
Um, yeah, they really did. And I remember, and, and so I think it was the adrenaline of trying to get into an 18 film that, that added to this. I was very, very excited. So there, there was a lot of blood flowing anyway around the system because I was nervous about getting into the film. There's no reason to get nervous, I realise in hindsight, because all the can say is you can't come in. You, you don't get arrested if you try and get into an 18 film. Yeah, that's underage. Right. There, there, there are no consequences. It was so stressful. Yeah, it was yeah. incredibly stressful. But the worst that can happen is you go on and continue to live your life yeah. as you did before. I'm going to get a record. I'm going to get a criminal record. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, we got in touch basically against it. My fr- I remember my friend having a go at me because he said that I'd said a, a couple of immature things when we were buying popcorn. But And they went to sit in to watch it. That's such a 14-year-old uh, thing to say, you idiot. Yeah, it was. No, he did say that. Something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't remember what I said. I can't, I, I can't remember what I said, but I remember him really having a go at me as if he might be arrested for being my accomplice <laughs> in trying to get me into this film, right? So anyway, we went into the, uh, the film and I just found the amount of sex in it and the nature of the sex. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of varieties of sex in it. There's the sex where mm-hmm. Sharon Stone's riding him for a long time and it's very, very sensual. There's a bit where he has sex with his uh, his wife and he just, I don't even remember, he just bends her over that seat and just absolutely mm-hmm. fucking has at it in about a minute. Um, and then... <laughs> there's a... Yeah. And then, and then there's something that with I found... Jean... With what, sorry? Jean Triplehorn is yes. her name. Yes, I mean... Sorry, I should. It's I should at least. Incredibly appropriate name. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, do you know what I thought you were getting? I think you could at least have the decency to name her, Robin. If you're going to talk about the scene. <laughs> her deserves, name is Jean Triplehorn. Yeah, she deserves that Ramesh. much, Robesh. I realised she was just a, a fucking sofa decoration to you, Robesh. Um, She's actually had a long and varied career. She's in Waterworld. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, I just remember being absolutely yeah. fucking blown away. But I, I just thought this is so hot. And I've got such a hard on for so much of this mm. film. I, I felt nervous about I, when we were watching the film. He was already got angry with me about the popcorn thing. I, I felt I felt too nervous to say to him, this is really giving me an erection. Because I felt like that would be another very 14 year old <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. Oh, you've got such a 14 year old bonus. Stop it. <laughs> Stop yeah. it. It's almost like that's why I brought you here. Anyway, <laughs> the point is this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trub- there is a subcategory to this question. Troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. What is a film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should? I, 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 you must have had this a lot of times, but it's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's uh, the late Bob Hoskins gives me such uh, a hard-on. But I, I couldn't... That, that cigar-smoking baby. <laughs> it's like, because it, it's a baby, but it's so naughty. You just don't give a shit, do you, baby? You don't... <laughs> uh, you've repeatedly been told not to smoke. You ain't fucking listening. <laughs> because baby doesn't care about the rules, do you, baby? Shit. That's good. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. Right. Yeah. So good go. answer. <laughs> right. 
What is? Well, we don't like to be negative, so we'll do it quick. What's the uh, What's the worst film you've ever seen? Uh, the worst film I've ever seen is a film called The Telephone, starring Whoopi Goldberg. Now, th- this I don't know this film. Yeah, so this film was. I went through a phase of really loving Whoopi Goldberg. You mm-hmm. know, I, I watched The Burglar. I don't know if you've seen it. Jumping Jack Flash. I liked all. Yeah, of Yeah, Jumping Jack Flash. Yeah, love it. And so I, I went through a phase of every time I went to the my. My parents would, we'd go to the video store every week, as I'm sure a lot of families did, and we'd all have a choice, sort of, and I'd always choose, I went for a phase of choosing Whoopi Goldberg, right? Anyway, one of those films was The Telephone, and I was very, very excited because I'd heard nothing about The Telephone. And um, the whole film is Whoopi Goldberg's character in her apartment making different phone calls and receiving phone calls. And I think, I, I can't remember what it was. Uh, the, I think she's a, she's an she's an actor in it, an out of work actor or something like that. I can't remember the. the but anyway, the, long, the, the, the it is obviously an experiment. That film. They thought. I imagine the the inception of that film was Whoopi Goldberg is incredibly charismatic. She's so charismatic. I bet you could do a film where she just sat in her apartment for the whole time, and it would still be great. And I was the one twat that fell for that experiment. Because it's one of the worst fucking abominations I've ever seen. But also, I don't know if it's Whoopi Goldberg's fault. The whole thing was a car crash. In fact, I say car crash. I would be grateful for some sort of car crash, isn't it? Some something to take you out of the apartment just for even thirty seconds. It was is dreadful. Is there a story so, in it, or is she just? No, no just, I think the story. There is a story. There's just a story catching about up her, with friends. No, there's a sto- I think there's a story about her trying to get a job or whatever, so that, that she's getting different phone calls oh, okay. throughout the evening. Or whatever. And I think she's talking down the barrel of the camera. My dad, I remember my dad being furious with me for, for renting out this film, because obviously I was watching it with the whole family, and uh, he just found it astounding. Because obviously he didn't realise, he thought that when somebody chooses a film... They've watched that film and had some part mm. in the making of that film. That was my They've dad's attitude. It, yeah. yeah, it was. It was my. I made all the creative choices in that film. So, so obviously, I'm the right person to be annoyed with about the fact this is a, an abomination. That's interesting to me because genuinely, that's how I feel when I show people films. Like I, the reason I prefer one of the reasons I prefer going cinema on my own is I I feel like if I take someone and they don't like it, it's my fault for having made the film. Even though I know all I've done is I bought know. a ticket. It's so bad. I feel, and I feel like that about films. I feel that like that when I take anybody to try anything vegan. The, the, the pressure that you have, yeah, it's just horrible. Yeah, because you're like, yeah, with with the vegan stuff, it's like you got one shot at this. Yeah, I reckon. yeah. I, I even got, if this is a good meal. Yeah, I even feel I the might pressure. Something. I even feel the pressure when I'm the only person eating something vegan. And everybody else is eating meat, and then they go to me, "What's that like?" And I get nervous because I, 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 oh, it's nice, but then I get nervous that they're going to try it, and then go, right. "Oh, so that's what you think's nice?" So had I not tried that, I would have thought that was a nice mm. thing. But now I've tried it; it tastes like shit, and you think that's <laughs> nice. You, I just, oh, I, God, no, you even, you even treat being vegan like borrowing the Smiths. <laughs> Yeah, oh, man. Oh, uh, what is the the film you can or have watched the most over and over again? The film that I have watched over and over again is because um, there's a couple of contenders for this is Bad Santa. Bad Santa is in my top ten films of all time. Fuck me, that film's great. 
I think Bad Santa is a perfect film. And you know what I relate Bad Santa to? Bad Santa and School of Rock are both films that if you like watch the trailer, they look like a film you've seen. You sort of go, yeah, yeah, it's that kind of film. But you've never seen that film done so perfectly as those two. Bad Santa is mm, tremendous. What, what a movie. I love it. I love it. I love everything about it. And there's one bit that... You know you were talking about the Will Smith... The, the bit of philosophy in Bad Boys Three. Yeah, this yeah. is not this is not quite up there, right? But mm-hmm. it really did put across the idea of human nature and made me think about life. This part of the film. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a bit where Billy Bob Thornton's character is sitting in the the mall or the the, the, the department store canteen, and he's eating yeah. some. He's eating his lunch, and he's in the Santa outfit. And this mum and her kid they spot him, and she, the mum takes him over, right, to, to go and say hello to him. She says, go on, go and say hello to Santa. And, and then he's obviously just trying to ignore them because he just wants to eat his lunch. He doesn't give a fuck about being Santa. And the kid comes up and then he just goes, he just goes, I'm just trying to eat my fucking lunch. And it's like a bit of lettuce flies out of his, out of his mouth. And it just really made me laugh because I just thought to myself, I sympathise with everybody in that scene, right? Because that mum is trying to... She's, yeah. under a, she's under a lot of pressure. She's, she's obviously... She might not be able to uh, afford to spend the time queuing up or even pay for that Santa experience for her kid to go and see Santa. She's trying to make... She's trying to give her kid a good Christmas. That kid's obviously in the right because he just loves Santa and he's like, you know, he might be coming, you know, who knows what what year he's had to lead up to that Christmas and he just wants to go and talk to Santa. He's suddenly got the opportunity to talk to Santa. And Billy Bob Thornton, I totally sympathise with him as well because he's just trying to have his fucking lunch. Do you know what I mean? And all, that, that whole thing made me think about empathy. Do you know what I mean? If somebody, if one person in that scene had thought about what it'd be like to be one of the other people in that scene... We never would have had that fucking nightmare of a situation. Billy Bob Thornton, all he's got to think about is this kid's just trying to enjoy his Christmas. This mum's all that mum's got to think about is that guy's been talking to kids all fucking day. He's not going to want to talk to a kid during his. Do you know what I mean? That that it was such a an eye opener to me. Do you know what I mean? I love that scene for that. But Fuck, I love that. There's, there's so much good stuff about it. I you know the bit where the old woman's sleeping in the living room and then it pounds out of the window and they're having sex in the hot tub and she's just going, fuck me Santa, fuck me Santa, fuck me Santa. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Bernie Mac saying half, <laughs> half, half, <laughs> half, half. God, it's a fucking great thing. And also, thing? it does the thing, it's like a perfect bit of screenwriting because, you know, you watch Bad Santa and you go, oh, well, it's going to be about him becoming good or learning to be nice. And even at the very end with everything that happens, the film plays it both ways. They're like, He's not nice at the end. He's still it, there's an argument. Yes, he's yeah, still just yeah, using yeah. it for the for the stuff. It's fucking great. It's what such a, film. a good film. It's as good as Bad Santa Two is terrible. I went to see Bad Santa Two, and I I forgave it all of its many 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 crimes just because I was like happy to. Oh, hang mate, out with Bad Santa. I, I, I know, I know. You just sort of go. Actually, even if they, you know even if, mean? even if Billy Bob Thornton as 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 Santa did like a Facebook Live where he didn't even have. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just he just, hat, yeah, he just sort of chatted for a bit about his attitude towards stuff. I'd fucking watch that. I'd go to the yeah. cinema to watch that. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> okay, you're in comedy, right? What's the film that made you laugh the most? Probably Planes, Trains and Automobiles. 
Uh, Lovely. I just, I just think that dynamic between John Candy and Steve Martin is absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And that film has been attempted to be remade or versions of that film done many times since. And they've never got it right, quite right, because Steve Martin, Steve Martin's escalation to be getting pissed off and then his comeback down is so perfectly done. And John Candy's level of being an annoying prick against how sweet he is, is so perfectly done that you go with it the whole way. It's so lovely and so funny. Steve, mm. that film, you never get annoyed with Steve Martin for being angry with John Candy and you never get annoyed with John Candy for being who he is for because because they do it note perfect. And I remember watching, I watched Due Date and I was very excited about watching Due Date because, which Due Date is essentially planes, trains and automobiles where yeah. with Robert Downey Jr. who I love and Zach Galifianakis who I love and it's also got a cameo from Danny McBride who I think is fucking amazing. But, they, I thought, in, to my mind, I felt like Robert Downey Jr.'s character was a little bit, a touch too dislikable. And Zach Galifianakis... Yeah, it's too mean. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah, 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 it, it is. But there's, there's an amazing bit in that in Due Date. I know we are supposed to be talking about planes, trains, but there's an amazing bit in Due Date that made me rethink how I write comedy dialogue completely, where they've gone to visit Jamie Foxx. Go on. They go. It just like it's just because the randomness of it that was so funny. It wasn't a set up punch. It was just so. And I just thought they must have just been talking, and they came up with this because they've just been to Jamie Foxx's house, and Zach Galifianakis is talking to Robert Downey Jr. about how he thinks that Jamie Foxx might have slept with his wife, right? And then he says, "Do you think that they have panda babies at San Francisco Zoo?" Just out of apropos of nothing, they're just having a completely different conversation. And then Robert Downey Jr. goes, "Can I just ask?" what the train of thought was that led you to ask me that question. And he goes, well, it's just that I was, <laughs> well, it's just I was thinking about how if those two had sex, they probably might have babies. And then if they had those babies, what might those babies look like? And then I started thinking about pandas and the panda babies. <laughs> 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 it was so fucking good. <laughs> Ramesh, we've come to the end. You've been absolutely wonderful. However, when you were in the in the park with your, your wife and kids, you got annoyed with them because they weren't talking, they weren't practicing the eulogy that you'd written for them to do at your funeral. Yeah. And you went for a walk and you tripped and you fell down quite a small ditch, to be fair. Uh, and your foot got stuck at the bottom of it. And you were just like, ugh. And you sort of leaned against it. I mean, it's literally couple of meters, a meter, two meters deep, this ditch. And uh, you couldn't be bothered to sort of climb out. You just lay there for a bit and eventually you died uh, of starvation after about four weeks. And um, I went looking for you because you, your wife and kids didn't seem that bothered that they hadn't it feels, seen you for a it while. Feels weird that, it feels weird that you'd be the go-to person for them to ask I know. for me. I know. Well, yeah. And in a way, I'm sort of like, there's a sadness to me that I'm the only person that's thinking of it mm, mm. Uh, after four weeks that there hasn't been more of a sort of anyway but that's that's by the by yeah i find you at the bottom of this ditch but because you've been there a long time you're in quite a state like grass has grown over you like uh, animals have been eating at you like there's bits of things that are now stuck to you there's some rubbish that's just come in the ditch you've got a plastic bag at all like you're a fucking mess i got you this coffin that was the size of you 
but there's more of you than I'd expected. So I have to chop you up into fucking bits and I'm stuffing you inside this coffin. I'm having to like fucking elbow bits in. Anyway, I managed to get you all in, but it's rammed. And there's only enough room in this coffin for one DVD that I can slide in the side. And you can take that to the other side with you. And on the other side, there's movie night every night. And one night it's movie night. One night it's your movie night. What movie are you taking to show to everyone on the other side? Juice. Yes. Huh? Huh? Uh, what huh? a film. I love that film. It's a great oh, film. Oh, you're going to be very popular in heaven. Tupac was so charming in that movie. The DJing scenes are so great in that film. It's, it says everything I want people to... It, 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 it frames hip-hop in a way that I find delightful. Uh, it's a good representative for the culture that I love so much. And it's a great story. I love that film. It's a, com- it's a great coming-of-age film. I love it. And, I, and it's the sort of film that if I put it on in heaven, people go, oh, Ramesh is cool. We had, we, had a, we had a cool choice a while ago. We've had... We've had the Godfather, 27 nights in a row. And then, I'll tell you what broke it up. That, um, you know the one that Jeez. sits on his own a lot? <laughs> he put on juice. We just made the one that, change. Do you know the one that's bobbing his head pretending to listen to the Smiths? <laughs> he put on juice. <laughs> Romesh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank is you, there anything bro. you would like to tell anyone to look out for? No. Over the coming weeks? No, absolutely um, just this podcast. Well, I would like to tell them to look out for your live DJing set, which I hope is happening soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's going to be an Insta Live. Just fucking nothing but bangers. Yeah. Nothing but bangers. <laughs> nothing but bangers. Yeah. With Romus Ranganathan. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers, mate. I'm going to stop the recording now. Have a lovely time. Good, good night. Thanks. Love you. Bye bye. That was the Rewind Classic with Romus Ranganathan. What a brilliant man. God, he's great, isn't he? I hope you're all well at home or in the gym or in a car or on the train or on the tube or in the sea. You can listen to these things in the sea now. I do very well with fish. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. I hope you're all well. I appreciate you all listening. I'll be back next week with another absolute banging all-time classic. In the meantime, have a lovely week, and all of you, please, be excellent to each other. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. 
Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you.